Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be on this side of the camera this week and to uh, be bringing the message, God's Word, to you. My name is Duncan Ridgeon. I'm a member here at Christchurch Baptist Church, and as Kay just said, I'm a chaplain at Bournemouth and Christchurch Hospital. This week, I was visiting a patient who I have met on a number of occasions. I, I will call him John. He has a very wacky sense of humour. Unfortunately, he is very poorly and on oxygen, and his strong doses of morphine mean that he is regularly very sleepy. The nurse has asked me to sit with him and keep him company. And when I arrived, I said to him, look, I'll sit with you, John. I won't talk that much because you're obviously very sleepy. So I read some psalms with him and sat beside him, and suddenly he woke up looked at me and said, oxygen. I said, John, do you need oxygen? He said, no, do you need oxygen? I said, no, I don't need oxygen. He said, well, then keep talking to me. And I smi he smiled and then he went back to sleep again. So I can assure you my oxygen supply is good this morning and I'll be talking with you this morning uh, on how wonderful our Heavenly Father is and how awesomely holy he comes in, we are see in Psalm 99. So I'm going to read Psalm 99 with you now. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity. In Jacob you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord and he answered them. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes and the decrees he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. This passage, like many parts of Scripture, comes with the expectation that we use our personal cinema, our imagination when we're reading it. I say that because it is like many songs, it is full of pictures. I was listening to a veteran talking on the BBC about what it is like for him to be in lockdown through this pandemic. And he replied, it's fine because I have my mind and in my mind I can go anywhere. And that is what I believe the psalmist wants to do in our minds. Cause us to make a conscious choice to take our thinking to the throne of God and there be tra transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then we will know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfectly holy will. 
And the psalmist calls us three times in verse 3, verse 5, and verse 9 to praise his great and awesome name. For this king enthroned is holy. So verses 1 to 3, they call us to envision the holiness of God enthroned. On two other occasions in the Bible, God chooses to reveal his awesome holiness enthroned in the heavens and on earth in times of uncertainty. Isaiah tells us that in the year King Uzziah died, there is uncertainty. A king dying could bring chaos with a new challenge of power coming in. But then Isaiah sees the throne room of God. Picture the scene. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphim, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then Kay read just earlier from the Apostle John during a time of intense persecution of the church. Again, a chaotic time for the church. John sees the throne room of God and the whole universe where the control center of the universe happens. Again, they cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. We are given these revelations of the holy God in times of uncertainty because that contrast to what gives us what holiness looks like. The word holy has its root in a picture of wholeness, when under God's rule, all is brought together and works with completeness and perfection. And like the first chapters of Genesis, God looks at his work and says, it is good, awesomely good. And wonderfully, it's not dependent on us. He is unique. He is different to all that is in the universe. That is pictured in verses 1 to 3. Why? Because in times of uncertainty, God gives us such a vivid and picture of holiness. He does this because at the bottom line, we all long for that. We want the world to be right. We want the world to be sorted out with someone who has the right to rule, ruling perfectly. It is the longing of our hearts to experience the holiness of God. And there is a hymn which is recalling Psalm 96. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Selwyn Hughes says, It is the longing of all our hearts to get back to the Garden of Eden, to experience the world as it was always meant to be. COVID-19 is telling us a great deal about our, uh, uh, telling us a great deal about our own fragility. It is also shattering any illusions that might previously existed 
of us human beings being in control. All we're trying to do is limit damage and try to cope. In situations like this, we look for a firm foundation, an assurance that all will be okay. We pay more attention to the longings of our heart after a God and start looking for help from above. The phrase, no atheists in the trenches, comes to mind. Yet Psalm 96 says, Say among the nations, the Lord is king, the Lord reigns, the world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. Psalm 99 was probably written at a time of great frailty too. Israel was either in exile or had just returned from exile. And they felt extremely fragile amidst the chaos around them. The gods of the other nations appeared to be more powerful. The gods of Babylon in the east and Egypt in the west all appeared to show greater power than the God of Israel. And as a result, the reign of God was far from certain. Israel was defeated, the temple was destroyed, the people wept. It was deeply uncertain, lacking in order. The psalmist is longing again to cry out to God. So in verse 2, he says, He is enthroned between the cherubim. I am still going to put on my personal cinema the reality that the Lord is still king. He is still on the throne. He is still holy. He is eternal. All is not as it seems. He calls us to look with eyes of faith, draw back the curtains of the Holy of Holies in the temple and see the tabernacle there with the cherubim and then look into eternity and see the Holy King enthroned in heavenly order. The heavenly host living out his bidding Picture the people of God fulfilling his calling on earth. That is the picture of Zion. God's footstool between the cherubim and the impact on the nations around who stand against the holy God. They tremble, they shake, for the Lord is exalted. Such order and perfection, wholeness, such holiness, stands against evil and chaos. And evil powers, evil authorities shake and tremble as they show their shallowness and fake news is truly revealed. Their true selves are revealed and seriously found lacking. So we face a significant challenge. Our world draws us towards self-indulgence and self-centeredness that views God in terms of what he does for us. But God being ho doing his holy works, is doing it on his terms. He cannot be manipulated. In certain ways, lockdown church caters nicely for my comfortable faith. On Sunday morning, I can get out of bed, slowly put on the online CBC service, sit on the sofa with a nice cup of coffee. It's all very comfortable. I, astand, I understand we don't have any choice. We need to do it this way. We cannot meet together in person and share our lives. But this psalm is calling us to remember. While we serve a God of love, we must never forget that he is holy and fierce. He stands against evil. 
He is fierce against self-centeredness in our own lives. We understand God's nature. God is majestic. God is mighty. He is glorious in holiness. And in verse 3, we are called to praise this awesome God, for he is holy. Then verse 4 goes on to challenge us to live out that holiness in practical ways. So verse 4 calls us to encounter the holiness of God in his justice. If verses 1 to 3 call us to envision the holiness of God enthroned, the psalmist goes on to show us what that holiness looks like outlived on earth. It says this, The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity in Jacob. You have done what is just and right. We need that assurance this morning. This is a paragraph from a story by Anne Coleman, or a story of Anne Coleman after her daughter, Frances, was murdered in Los Angeles. She writes this. When we got to the police station the next morning, the only thing they told us was that my daughter was dead and that everything else was none of our business. Sadly, this remained the case throughout the days we stayed in Los Angeles. The violent crime coordinator met us and told us that if they hadn't arrested someone in four days, I shouldn't expect an arrest. We just have too many homicides in this precinct. We spend only four days on homicides. This enraged my son Daniel. He wanted vengeance in the worst way. He really wanted someone to do something, some kind of justice for his sister. That vengeance that Anne Coleman's son is summed up in the poem by Seamus Heaney, who writes, History says don't hope on this side of the grave. But then once in a lifetime, the longed-for tidal wave of justice can rise up and hope and history can rhyme. So hope for that great sea change on the far side of revenge. Believe that a further shore is reachable from here. Believe in miracles, healing wells and cure. And this is what the psalmist is saying to us. The psalmist is awakening, is recalling the first verses of the psalm and says, if this is our God, who is whole, who is perfectly holy, and he dwells with his people, then justice and equity are seen in Jacob, and he has done what is just and right. And we are seeing this happen in our world as the drive for prosperity at the moment is put on hold and the reality that each human life is precious and life is devastating when a loved one is not there. Suddenly people are doing what is right and just amongst us, loving the person standing in front of them. That is the outliving of holiness, God's holiness, his perfection and completeness being outlived amongst us and this is my hope for CBC and the plans that we have for the future that here this place can be a place where justice and righteousness are lived out and in our lives as well so if verse 5 again we are in verse 5 we are called again to worship the holy God and then in verse 6 to 8 
we are called to engage with the holiness of God in prayer. Verse 6 to 8 are a bit shocking. It draws the reader's attention to an aspect of the concept of divine holiness that is frequently forgotten in the modern world and would have been a paradigm shift in Bible times. For the psalmist is telling us holiness implies a consistency of character. That is what made the God of Israel so different to all the other gods in ancient Near East. He expressed a character that you can depend on, that wasn't changeable. So often as Christians, our understanding of holiness begins and ends with God's morality and ethics. So holiness in God's people is all about what we must do and what we, what we must avoid. The notion of holiness is indeed based on God's absolute perfection and is repeated again and again in this psalm. But the psalmist also shows us that since God is holy, his people can approach him in prayer, in the knowledge that his character is unchanging and he is always consistent. His people can come to him and he will hear their prayers because of how God is. He will always be. The psalmist gives us these pictorial examples of Moses, Aaron and Samuel, all men who we know had failings, but still they cried out to God and he heard them. They were truly priests standing before God and standing before men to God. Yet we have a wonderful privilege, don't we? Because we have a further priest who we can add to this list, the very one in whom God's holiness and our humanity come together. The one who brought sinful humankind together with a holy God on the death on a cross. We can add Christ to the list that the psalmist talks of. And the author of Hebrews tells us that we can now have great confidence to approach the throne of grace because Jesus himself, the great high priest, intercedes on our behalf. In terms of relationship, he is the Son of God. In terms of obedience, he is without sin. In terms of sacrifice, he gave his life on a cross. The implication is clear. If God heard and answered the intercessions of the priests of the Old Testament, how much more will he hear and answer the prayers of his Son on behalf of his people? Robert Murray McShane for his famous quote said, If only I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. But the distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. So this is what the psalmist expects. In verse 1 to 4, we are called to envision our holy God. In verse 5, we are called to encounter the holiness of God in his acts of justice. And verses 6 to 8, we are called to engage with the holiness of God in prayer. How better over the next few weeks to join CBC's prayer course that is starting on the first Monday in June. I am blessed to pray for people in the hospital on all times, but any course to reinforce and re-inspire my prayer life is important and to be involved with. 
So in conclusion, let's step back for a moment and get the panorama of this psalm. It starts with nations shaking at the presence of the holy God. And now as it concludes, we read the most wonderful words. He forgives. And from where we stand, because our high priest, Jesus Christ, spreads out his arms on the cross to take our unholiness, our self-centeredness, we are drawn into his throne room and adopted into his holy people and his family. The final picture of this psalm is of a family as it should be, with appropriate discipline, empowering each member of the family to fulfill their purposes to live the holiness of God. Our purpose is to respond to God in worship and praise. If this morning you are feeling shame at actions in your life, I believe God's holiness will transform your life. Admit those obvious acts to God. Believe Jesus Christ died on the cross to take your guilt and shame and bring the holiness of God into your life. Commit your life to living as God has called you to. And then let us worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness.